Um, beta carotene is essentially, you know, it's two retinols um, bound together. Um, but the importance of keeping beta carotene in the beta carotene form um, is it can play a role in a lot of different fertility functions um, and needing that nutrient um, mainly for like local conversion within the different tissues that it needs. Um, and, and so that local conversion of vitamin A within that organ is really important. And we can't essentially get there without having um, that local conversion within the tissue. A whole new era of communication in the dairy industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global dairy industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. DSM Fermaniche. Mycotoxins can threaten cattle performance. DSM Fermaniche offers a portfolio of solutions to help mitigate the impact of mycotoxins in your feed. Bergen Schmidt, your partner for improving animal performance. AB Vista, feed intelligence and targeted ingredients to optimize rumen function. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Diamond V, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Welcome to the Dairy Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting edge insights and everything that's working in the global dairy industry. Dairy cattle health is constantly threatened by the exposure of mycotoxins in feed. The monitoring of fungal toxins has become indispensable in the feed industry and in animal production. DSM Fermaniche offers a range of analytical services to assess the mycotoxin contamination and solutions to combat mycotoxins. Learn more at dsm.com forward slash ANH NA. Hello, welcome back to the Dairy Podcast Show. My name is Barry Bradford from Michigan State University. Today, I'm happy to welcome two guests, uh, both who work with a company called DSM, Dan Knoll and Dr. Aaron Schwant. Dan and Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I have some history at Kansas State, and I know both of you do too, but let's, if you can give me just a little bit of your background, Dan, uh, how did you end up in this role? Maybe throw in some Wildcat trivia there and just... <laughs> Tell us a little bit about where you're coming from. Yeah, Barry. So th- thanks a lot for having us on today. Um, so so my history is I, I went to uh, um, Kansas State University and graduated in 1992 in December and um, was actually was, had Dr. John Shirley as my advisor. And um, kind, of, kind of a if you want a little history about something that was kind of funny is uh, I always thought Ed Call was funny because he said that that. The guy that invented the round baler should be shot because he thought it really hurt the the product and and how hay worked. So so I found that interesting on him and and uh, stuff. Oh, I thought he was going to say it made uh, rural young men weaker or something. Well, <laughs> too, because I, I I actually uh, ran a hay hauling service in high school and stuff. But then okay. uh, then then I, I went to Hutchinson Community College and in K State um, got in the feed business after that and. And um, have had several roles, mainly in in commercial feed. But uh, a year and a half ago, I I moved to work with DSM as the South and West uh, uh, area manager for ruminants, dairy, and beef, and it's been working real well. So South and West, so it's just a few states, or what, what uh, do you? 
14 states. I go okay. Kansas to Texas, and then if you take uh, New Mexico, the Canadian border, and west, that's all my territory. So, They're relatively large states as well. <laughs> yes, yes, it's large geography. So, very good. Thank you. Yep. Aaron, what's your story? Yeah, so um, thanks for having us. I am currently the Ruminant Technical Manager with DSM Furminich. We got a name change recently. Um, I live in Northeast Kansas. I'm actually only about 20 minutes from Manhattan, and that is actually where I did all my degrees. And so my background, um, I did my bachelor's in animal science, and then my master's in feed science, and then my PhD in ruminant nutrition. So um after school, I guess I, I did a short postdoc um, in the College of Vet Med at K-State, and then I worked um, at a small regional mineral company doing in-house nutrition. Um, prior to that, or after that, I uh, joined Biomin as ruminant technical manager, and then DSM purchased Biomin, um, and so I moved into the same role covering um, supporting North America for dairy and beef, so also a pretty big geography for those in the audience who maybe aren't familiar with dsm um and i guess the new name now um can you give us just a little bit of background on the company where's it based it's, it's kind of scale and all that Aaron, i'll let you yeah, so, <laughs> yeah sure um so dsm is primarily our headquarters is in uh switzerland and so we are a global company. Um, we have nine manufacturing facilities of vitamins across the globe. Um, within North America, we have um, four different premix facilities in the, um, I guess, in the in the vitamin space. Um, we're divided by um, vitamins and then performance solutions, which is a different um, kind of a product offering category. And so uh, we work across species. We have the animal health and nutrition, which is divided by swine, poultry, ruminant, and aqua. And then we also have a pet division as well as under our human health and nutrition. So um, very large organization. Um, and then most recently with the DSM Furminich acquisition, um, we now, that's kind of more in the, on the human side and in beauty and well-being and uh, perfumery. So yeah. Kind of a big scope there. <laughs> That's good. I, I always think of, um, of course, this is going back before some of the recent acquisitions, but when I think of vitamins for livestock, you know, DSMs, always a company that comes to mind. So that's a good thing to talk about today. Uh, yeah. And the main topic we wanted to cover is beta carotene. So I thought maybe we could just start with a refresher for people who haven't thought about that particular molecule for many, many years, perhaps. Um, what is beta carotene? Why do we have to think about it? Yeah, so um, beta carotene, kind of in a simple, kind of what most people think about is plant pigments is what it brings, um, is kind of that natural pigment. And so if you think about, a lot of people think about carrots, <laughs> um, but also the green pigments in grasses. And so um, plants that are rich in beta carotene are going to have, you know, um, that uh, real rich green color. So um, beta carotene is a fat soluble vitamin. Um, and as we know, sensitivities of vitamins to breakdown, um, it is one that, you know, can get broken down over time. So it's one thing we think about with stored forages and, um, some of the different sources, they may have higher or lower levels of beta carotene. So that's something that we kind of think about as far as how much is available to the animal within the diet. Um, 
and what is actually circulating in the animal, which is kind of cool. We're able to test through blood serum. We can evaluate um, those beta carotene status of the animal. Okay. So, uh, you know, simplistically, when I teach students, you know, how we supplement ruminants, typically we talk about, okay, we, we supplement vitamins A, B, and E. The other vitamins we don't really have to supplement. So how does this fit in? You're telling me now beta carotene sh- should be on this list. Yeah, so beta-carotene is essentially two retinols, which would be our vitamin A. Um, It's actually, the important thing is thinking about feeding beta-carotene in the beta-carotene form or having it available. It's one that we don't really talk about much because we are able to supplement our vitamin A. Um, We do know that that's very important for the animal um, in a lot of different functions, um, but mainly a lot of repro questions come into play when you start talking about vitamins. So Um, Beta-carotene is essentially, you know, it's two retinols um, bound together, Um, but the importance of keeping beta-carotene in the beta-carotene form um, is it can play a role in a lot of different fertility functions um, and needing that nutrient um, mainly for like local conversion within the different tissues that it needs. Um, and, And so that local conversion of vitamin A within that organ is really important. And we can't essentially get there without having, um, that local conversion within the tissue, if that makes sense. Okay. And just to kind of think about, you know, whether we get enough of this through diets that we're feeding, is, is it crudely true that if you're feeding, say, hay that is, you know, no longer bright green, you know, is that essentially giving you an indication that things like beta carotene have degraded over time? Yeah, so um, one thing we do know um, just on the stability and storage effects, you know, as um, like, for example, for different silages, as it's exposed to oxygen and light and temperature and some of those things, it can oxidize the the vitamins that um, are within that feed source. And so um, over time, um, we typically can see up to 60% loss of that uh, vitamin within or throughout that storage period. So it's something that we definitely want to keep in mind as far as we can test, but then we can also, um, you know, formulate, you know, differences um, based off of what those animals need and then what, uh, what feeds we have available. Okay. So Dan, if you go to a, a dairy farm or a beef operation and you want to talk about beta carotene, like how, how do you start the conversation? How, how would you assess if this herd might benefit from some additional beta-carotene in the diet, for example. Well, one of the things I do is I talk to the dairymen. We'll, we'll talk dairy here, and then I can bring up a little bit of beef that I've, I've done recently as well. But um, So, so um, we'll, we'll talk about what they're doing in their close-up pen and, and kind of where they're at, kind of and, and on how they're doing on, on first service conception, a little bit on on what their colostrum quality looks like when when they're when, if they're testing the bricks level and and what the quality is like, and then we'll we'll discuss what beta carotene can do because most um, close up diets or even all dry cow diets when you, when you look at it you're not bringing in green chop and feeding there you're not feeding real green forages you're you're feeding some really um, you know, straw or, 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 you know, lesser quality feeds to keep those cows from getting over conditioned during that dry time. And so we're not feeding any beta carotene during that time. And so they're driving that down. So we'll talk about 
you know, a little bit about how the, uh, um, you know, diet looks, how performance is, and then we'll, we'll say, hey, let's, let's do some, some blood work and see where the beta carotene level is. Where, where we really want to be is 3.2 um, nanograms per milliliter in the blood. And a lot of times if I test a close-up pin, they'll be running at one or less, you know, so because they, they've just been, the, during the lactation, they've used that, um, the beta carotene storage that they had due to oxidative stress and the stress times will really use up your, your beta carotene vitamins just in trying to stay healthy. And, and so we'll, we'll look at that. Um, you know, and the, the neat thing about beta carotene is it will go into the colostrum and give a very high quality uh, colostrum to those calves and give them a great start. Uh, if people are selling their colostrum, that's another thing to look at to, to get better quality in, in that. So, so we talk about that aspect as well. So, and then, and then once, once we've tested, the other thing I'll, I'll do is once they've been on a beta carotene for, for, for that time frame, and what we try to do in, in the close-up pin is get 20 grams of beta carotene in, in that animal in that 21 days, or if it's, if they need to feed the whole dry period, we'll do that through the whole dry period. It just needs to be in there. Since it's a fat soluble vitamin, it will absorb into the reproductive tissues in through the mammary gland into the colostrum and things like that. So, so that's kind of how, how we go about it. And then we, we test later to make sure we have improved the, the uh, levels. To, to get so if you're energy. only feeding it close up, you're talking like a gram per cow per day, roughly. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And that, that is of the active beta carotene. So, you know, you got to look at the concentration of the product you're feeding. So you said in there that you, you go, you test close up cows. Um, while we through that, are you, are you bleeding every cow on a huge farm or, and then how do you actually get, get the analysis done? Basically, what we do is we'll we'll lock up the when they feed they'll lock up those close up cows and then we'll we'll do um, you know ten percent up to fifteen head in a group so we don't we don't need to do every one we just need to get a decent number so ten percent in the herd um, you know and and most of the time I'll do fifteen sometimes I've done up to twenty if it's a really good sized operation and and stuff well we we've done up to 20 but most of the time up to 15 at 10 percent will will get you a nice number to go out and and um give a nice average of what the group is and it's kind of interesting you know you'll see some that are pretty good and you'll see some that are really really low and and you know but the average generally comes in right okay and then are you so you take blood samples are you sending these to the state diagnostic lab or how how do you get that done you can do that we actually have an eye check machine that i'll carry with me and i can i can run those samples right there on farm and we can have a a results you know it takes a little bit of time to do but you know you, you get through that and within by by the time the day is done we'll we'll know what those cows averaged and and can determine if it's something they want to look at to do to and improve, um, you know, and, and one thing beta carotene does is just as a, um, uh, you know, a performance response is 
you'll you'll see see cows come quicker to estrus um, that beta carotene gets into the egg and the follicle so you see stronger stronger eggs stronger heats quicker to estrus and and less early embryonic mortality so you'll you'll see more first service conception rate because of that you know are those reproductive responses coming exclusively from supplementing in the dry period and then you're done supplementing after that that yeah because it's since it's a fat soluble vitamin and it and it does get into the fat cells we get enough in to improve that that reproductive performance we don't necessarily need to feed it on through lactation and you know um forages that are that are harvested and they're fairly fresh they'll have a lot higher level of beta carotene in them if, you know like corn silage or or a a green chop per se um interesting i was in in arizona and tested a guy and and um he had been feeding green chop and he had a cow and we just tested his his early lactation pen so he had a cow that had just calved and so we tested her and her level was was 1.2 and and so she had had green chop a few days and it probably brought it up from where she was at calving had one that was 30 days in the pen and hers was 4.7 nanograms per milliliter well over where you needed to be so so i like to say that beta carotene is actually like feeding green chop out of a bag because you're you're getting your 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 lush nature and and that green forage in a vitamin supplementation that will work in the same manner. That's fascinating. I wonder, yeah, I, I've, I've thought about before that there may be some other micronutrients that we don't even really understand that also may be available in fresh forages that we need to keep digging into. Sure, sure. I, you know, and, and there definitely, you know, when I, I grew up on a dairy and we, we, um, We'd had them run out on, we, it was small dairy at the time. And so we had like 50 head and we'd let them go out and graze triticale or rye, rye. And, and, you know, it always seemed like our reproduction performance was way better during those times than, than it was um, in, in other times of the year when you didn't have that available. Let's, let's just take the 20, 20 grams number. Um, if you're, if you're going to implement that into a dry cow feeding strategy what's the cost per per transition cow then so so i look at this as more of a reproductive therapy program and on that that uh, 20 grams with using the the program we do it's like to, it, it's close to ten dollars a cow to okay. that program so and then i know a lot of producers uh that i work with would instantly be asking well can i cut back on vitamin a then you know, at least in the, the close-up cows, if you're, if you're feeding that, what's your answer there? Well, preferably not, because if you're, if you're short on vitamin A, the beta carotene will break down and be utilized as vitamin A. So one milligram of vitamin A or of beta carotene will actually be like um, 500 um, IUs of, of um, uh, vitamin A. But the thing is, you really don't want to do that. And it's one of the biggest misnomers out here. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've brought up beta carotene to somebody and they tell me, we don't need that because we feed plenty of vitamin A. Well, it's, it's actually not, not the case. It, you got to make sure you have plenty of vitamin A and then 
feed your beta carotene levels in that close-up diet to, to do that. So, gotcha. Yeah. I don't want to get in the weeds too much, but I have to scratch my super nerd itch a little bit. So do we, like, at, at, a, at a molecular level, do we have a good explanation for, like, you're basically saying beta carotene has unique impacts on animal function over and above what vitamin A can do, correct? Yes. Like, do we know why or what the mechanisms are there? Aaron brought it up a little bit, and I can let her explain it uh, probably a little better than, than I can. But the beta-carotene, it will actually get into the egg and, and into the follicle, and then it breaks down, and that conversion and that vitamin A inside the cell is what they need. And okay, so vitamin just, A can't move in. Okay. Yeah, I see. so it, yeah. it's that conversion of getting the, the beta-carotene in, and the breaking down and that that vitamin A that's that's made in that conversion time increases the reproductive performance by doing that. Did I cover it okay, Aaron? Or you got yeah, anything? no. And the only other thing I would um, mention too is the beta carotene particle size is really important as far as mimicking natural beta carotene, and so that allows it to really penetrate the follicle, and so. Um, I think the key thing to really think about is keeping beta carotene in the beta carotene form within the t targeted tissue that's needed. So whether it's the follicle, the ovaries in general are, you know, have high concentrations of beta carotene. And even if you were to open that animal up, the corpus luteum would be a yellow color due to beta carotene concentration. So um, the importance of making sure that you have adequate levels for all the different functions within the follicle is very important. And so, yes, like Dan said, that local conversion. So that way you have that um, that antioxidant that's available um, and that conversion happening within that within the follicle itself. So, yep. It's interesting. So I, this is kind of a broader question, but, um, you know, I, I talk with people sometimes about, you know, how nutrition can influence reproduction, but it's kind of interesting from a, um, what's the right word? Like you're engaging different groups of people typically on the farm advisory team when you're talking about nutrition and transition cows than you are when you're talking about reproduction. So how, how does that work in terms of having these conversations? Well, that that's interesting because, you know, Generally, uh, with with the dairies I've been successful with, I've talked to the nutritionist and the owner of the dairy. You know, the one that the manager that makes the decision, and they are looking at at helping their reproductive um, performance. And how can we do that? Uh, one herd that I that I talked to, he called me, and his first calf heifers, he was having a dickens of a time getting them um, to breed. And when we talked about cost, we talked about things. He says, man, that's awful expensive. And my response was, how expensive it is it to breed that first calf heifer four times? That's a, that's a lot more expensive. So if we can improve that, um, it makes that program work well. And, you know, the nutritionists, they look at it on, on a level of, is this something we need? Can this really improve that performance? And, you know, once you get past that, that's a feed and it's more of a reproductive ingredient to help drive that, you know, it, it really has helped. So have you had, um, I, are there any like really, you kind of just gave one example there, but have you had any sort of jaw dropping responses on any farms that you can share? 
Well, I don't know about that, but I got an interesting story for you. We have a customer that stored it on the product and his his reproductive performance increased and his his colostrum quality, which was a big thing he was looking at, really improved and he was really excited about it. And then he says, hey, this stuff quit working. Well, we'd been taking inventory of the product we took and their, their uh, micro machine, the, the uh, motor had stopped. And so they stopped feeding it for about six weeks and they saw a definite dip in the product. And I was just out there um, two weeks ago and we did a recheck on the bloods and they were all back up to normal. And he said things were improving again. So, so it, as, as a bad story, that's interesting because it, it also turned around to be a good story because you go, okay, we, we showed that we did make a difference. And so I really like that. That's the optimal blinded study, right? And nobody yeah. knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when the uh, rep called me up that I was working with on that, I go, well, that's no good, but it could be good. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, as uh, on other stuff, you know, we've just been been out and, and guys have been feeding it and they've been getting great results. And, um, you know, so I, I don't have any other really crazy stories like that one, though. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you had asked about beef. I did a beef study, a beef guy here just this last Monday, and it was fun to go see. And we're going to test when he gets ready, when when he's getting ready to um, bring them in 60 days prior to bre- uh, to calving and see where his levels are at. Because he just brought them off grass and was doing a, a repro. He was, he was um, ultrasounding and finding out how far along they were. So we pulled some bloods out of Cows that were on grass, cows that were dry lotted, and cow, and and different ty- different areas on grass. And with the drought, this guy's in Iowa, and with the drought there, you even on green grass, it was it was interesting to see the differences from from pasture to pasture where those cows were on beta carotene. Because you would think being on grass all summer, they would re- have a really nice level, and the one was off the charts, a little over five, and then the next one was was you know about two and a half and there was one that was right on about 3.2 and then the cows that were were dry lotted they were under one they were a 0.59 and a 0.79 so so that dry lot feed and what they had didn't have a whole lot of green in it and we started because they had two different groups on dry lot one had a different feed that had some beta carotene levels in it and you could definitely see the difference. They were close to adequate, but not quite. And the ones that were on the other forge, they weren't even close. So uh, that tracks pretty well. To see how 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 the feed makes that much difference as yeah. well, where they're at and time of year. And so so I find that to be very interesting. I've got a couple like bigger picture questions for you guys. You have um, sort of unique roles in that you get a lot, around a lot of geographies and you're presumably on quite a few commercial farms. I'll ask both of you this, Dan, if, if you had to look in your crystal ball the next five years in the dairy industry on, on farms, what do you think is kind of the biggest thing that you're going to see change? Well, I, I think we're going to see, see um, just, just more driving to some, some larger dairies, but also you're, you're going to, to just, as as the 
the nutrition increases and how people can analyze that, you'll you'll see more higher performance. And the higher these cows are performing, the more important it is for us to make sure we've got our vitamin levels right, our mm-hmm. trace levels right, and things like that. Because the higher performing of the cow is, the more the more they're they're in need of those nutrients. And so I see as we've you know growing up on a dairy several years ago to today, and and uh, I took a year out of college and actually ran our uh, was our herdsman on our dairy. And so I look at where we were then on nutrition. And where we were on nutrition when I got out of school in 92 versus where we are today. And and it is amazing the supplements we're bringing in, the type of additives, which which I find amazing. I In, in one of my roles in a previous company, I my job was to look at, at ingredients that might be coming and then take it to the management team and us see if we could implement those into um, – a feed for for beef cows in, in that company or or dairy cows and how yep. that can actually improve their production and and it is is just crazy to see how many additives are in, are able to increase that reproductive performance and and not just reproduction but production and uh, I'm just amazed at how high the cows are producing today but I think the sky's the limit as long as we have our nutrients right, pe- people are feeding well. I think you're going to see more more of these dairies going to robotic milkers to to kind of help with with that that uh, consistency on milking, and then it's just managing the cows and making sure you get them bred and everything. And I think you'll see a lot of that as well. Yep, makes sense. What about you, Aaron? Kind of same picture, or do you see something? A little different. Yeah, no, Dan made some really good points, and I definitely agree. Um, I I would say also maybe um, going down the line of maybe having some more data analytics available. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in minds of thinking maybe more preventative nutrition is kind of what I like to look at as far as, you know, what are the things that we can do prior to those animals getting sick or supporting their immune system, supporting all the, you know, their genetic potential of, you know, how we're breeding them and how we're feeding them. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's definitely could be some doors opening as far as, you know, some of those measures or biomarkers that we could be looking at to um, kind of help make some decisions or putting things in place a little bit earlier. So that way we're hopefully, you know, supporting a healthier animal and keeping cows in the herd a little bit longer and, you know, all that. So, yep. Makes sense. A lot of cool stuff to dig into there for sure. Yeah. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Exzealot, a Novell product for the management of hypocalcemia. It's uncomplicated excellence. SmaxTech, get insights from inside your cows with SmaxTech for higher herd health and profitability. Yeast 40 ruminal and intestinal double modulation by ICC Animal Nutrition. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Adiseo USA, producers of Smartamime M and MilkPay.com. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner. 
Our Yeast 40 is a natural biotechnology from ICC, designed to boost the health and productivity of animals under challenging production systems. Our Yeast 40 performance is supported by an unique processing technology that results in a pure product containing high levels of beta-glucans, MOS, and yeast metabolites. These factors, combined, promote the ruminal and intestinal modulation, helping the animals to reach their full potential. All right, well, we've got these three questions we ask everybody. I'm going to split them up among you guys. We'll see, see, dig into your psyche a little bit here. So, okay, Aaron, I'll ask you this. What's your favorite dairy-related book or resource? And I'll try to pretend you didn't, like, waste your time on beef stuff in grad school. <laughs> yes, no, I did spend a lot of time on beef, but um, I would say probably some of the biggest resources as, as I'm learning more on the dairy side and application, um, um, I'd say Journal of Dairy Science. Um, there's been quite a few good publications that come out and usually there's something covered on just about any topic that you know I'm wanting to learn a little bit more on. So I would say that that's an excellent resource um, as well as NASA. Obviously, there's a new new recommendations and an excellent resource, you know, as we're looking into uh, nutrition side of things and, and levels and all sorts. So those would be my two things that I go to often. So Makes sense. <laughs> all right, Dan, a little broader one here. What's your favorite book or resource outside of ag? Well, mine's kind of funny because uh, a friend of mine told me about a book called uh, Living with a Seal. And it was about this guy that ran marathons and he wanted to train. And there's this guy that he met that, that um, ran marathons. And this guy was an ultra marathon guy. He'd run like a hundred miles in a, you know, the, the mega marathon deals. Yep. And, and he was an ex Navy SEAL. So he invited him to move to, to come and help him train. And the book is amazing. And it's all about, work ethic and training and making sure you keep your your mind on what you can do and you know he you know he he got him made him do all these push-ups and pull-ups and 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 sit-ups and and he was he walked by the guy's room he was in there and he did 2500 push-ups that day and he was he wow. was just just a nutty deal but you know it just makes you know that when you set your mind to something, you can really do it. And I, it was a, it's a great motivational book and I really like it. Okay. I'll have to remember that one. Yeah. For a second, I was wondering if you were going to go to the aquatic mammal or, you know, or the uh, elite <laughs> special forces people. So. Well, the elite <laughs> special forces guy, I don't know. He's a lot tougher than me. That's for sure. <laughs> even, though, even though back in the day I did a lot of hay bales and stuff. I, now that I'm in sales, you know, I, I'm not near as stout as I was way back in the day. So, <laughs> not sure if I've done 2,500 push-ups in my life. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aaron. Last question for you. In your opinion, what sets successful dairy professionals apart from those who are less successful? Oh, uh, I would say work ethic, positive attitude, and integrity. Okay, sounds like a pretty foolproof approach there. Go with that. <laughs> Well, Dan and Aaron, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. Yes. Thanks for having us. It's been a good refresher for me on beta carotene. I think it's, um, I want to go back and dig into some more of the research now. It's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Well, fantastic. So this has been another episode of the Dairy Podcast Show. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you hit that button before you leave. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. 
looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at the help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.